I'm excited for what God is doing, not just in this house, but uh, in many houses. Amen? Amen? We're not the only ones loving God. It's good to know that. Uh, some love Him differently, but many are loving Him. That's good news. Um, what What you will not find here is that I... I will not uh, meet your expectation. I'm not going to be what you want me to be, probably in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm going to be what Jesus wants me to be. And most often that don't line up with what you want. As you come to a church service and you expect uh, it to be a certain way, he's going to take the microphone, he's... He's going to pray. He's going to give us three or four verses. He's going to give us a topic. And then He's going to tell us how awesome we are and how great we're doing and that we can move on down the road and make it through a couple more days till we got to come back on Wednesday and hear the same stuff again. I don't, I don't believe in that. So if that's what you're for, here for, you might want to leave now because you're not going to get it. And it won't offend me because I don't live under the expectation of man. I'm not afraid of you. I don't need to please you. I'm here to please God. Um, it doesn't make me great. The things I'm about to say, it's mostly always because of Him. I've done nothing, but for some reason, he just likes me. And I get asked more times than I can mention, how do, how do I get him to like me? Well, I don't know how to tell you that, because I don't know how it happened to me. He just decided, I guess, that he was going to like me. And when he decided he was going to like me, I just decided that I was going to do what he said, and that probably made him like me more. And... But you all decide day in and day out if you're going to do what He wants you to do. So He may love you, but He don't always like you. And y'all don't like that because religion wants to tell you that He likes everybody, but that's not true. He don't like everybody, but He does love everybody. He had 12, but out of the 12, He chose three to be with Him more than the rest. I would say that He probably liked them a little bit more. He liked to spend a little bit more time with them. And we, we have works all over. This is a new work. And I'm not phased uh, by the amount of people that come in the door or the amount of people that don't come in the door. What makes me excited is when I see the few that come truly worship God. And that's all I need. Because it, if we stay in that long enough, the Lord will build His church. See, the problem with the Americanized church is that when they don't see enough people in the seats, they go out and try to build it themselves, and they wonder why the power and the glory never steps place in their building. Because they try to grow it under their own ambition, their own vision of what they want it to look like, instead of just being happy with the few that gather and truly worship Him and allowing those to create the culture 
so that others come in and get affected and infected by what's in the room. Instead, they go out and get the people that will come in and change the culture into what the world wants it to be. But that's not what we're going to do. I won't do that. And guess what? This is my house, so I get to decide. And we're just going to worship God. And if the Lord builds it, then that's awesome. Because I will not labor in vain. So um, we were in a coffee shop next door. And it was awesome. And God was blasting us. Um, You don't know what that means. Uh, he was coming in and showing up and doing awesome things. That's what you want. Go ahead and say, that's what I want. I want you to come in and blast me. So you want him to come in and do amazing things and awesome things for you and to you and to those around you. But now we're in the building next door. Um, because when we moved into that building, we claimed this building because see, I don't believe like you believe. I believe that everything my hand touches shall be mine because the favor of God's upon my life. And so we walked by this building, we lay hands on this building, we said this building's going to be ours. Our realtor told us that building will be tied up for two years and it will not move. Well, here we are, listen, a year later. See, so often religious people forget that God's in the equation. And when he's in the equation, you can throw math out the window because he don't care. He'll blow it apart in a second. He'll do whatever he wants and he don't care that your math don't add up, that you can't figure it out. He's just going to do it because he can. And he's going to go worship me because I'm the one. I'm the guy. And so I was joking with the team because we, we got this building. We come in here. It was nasty. Um, it used to be a beer joint. Used to be shoulder to shoulder in here, um, worshiping idols, alcohol, and sports. And now we're going to worship the King of Kings in here. And we ain't going to have no sip of alcohol. We ain't going to watch no sports. We ain't going to worship them because uh, they can't satisfy. It's a temporary pleasure from a worldly desire that will pass away. So I'm not going to do that either. So why are you telling me all this? Because I'm trying to make you figure out if you're supposed to be here or not. Because I'm okay if you're not. I don't want to build a house full of people that are not supposed to be here and a year later they leave. They develop relationships, they walk with people, they pretend to care, and a year later they disappear. This is most of your churches. Well, I'm, I'm not American. I was born here. Um, but I was grafted in to the kingdom of God. And now I don't, I don't fit most anywhere because I don't see things the way you see things. Therefore, I get a different result than you get. Now, again, that don't make me great. He did it. I was just there. He just walked into the room and was like, hey, you, I'm going to use you. And I was like, that sounds great. Whatever you want, because you're pretty scary. Like, I'm afraid if I say no, you might just kill me now. So I might as well live for you than die for the world. So we took over this building. We've been working on it. And, and uh, there's going to be a lot of people that come in. Some of you might be in here now that you're thinking about how, look at them pipes up here half cut off. And <laughs> they don't have enough lighting. And this floor is messed up. And uh, they got a door where a door shouldn't be. And well, I hate to tell you, but that's the way Jesus found you. 
Half your pipes were cut off and doors were where they weren't supposed to be and you was a mess and your foundation was broken and it didn't look like it's supposed to be. But thankfully he looked at you. He said, I can do something with that. He said, just give me a little bit of time. Just give me a minute. If you'll just do what I tell you to do, watch what we can do. Many people, they want to come into something that's already made. That's why you have so many churches that are overflowing, but people are dying and not getting healed inside the services because there's no power in the gospel that they're preaching because they have no relationship with the word that they're saying. You want to go to those churches because they have uh, great carpet and paint and they have great services and, and all of these small groups and these children things and this youth program to where they don't learn anything, they just eat pizza and play games. But you can shove your kids in a corner so that you can come in and pretend that everything is okay in your life because it's socially acceptable for you to be in a church that's dying and dead. Just so you can walk out the door and say, we did it. We went. I'm a good father. I'm a good mother because I took them there. I'm a good grandmama because I brought them here. You'd be a good grandmama if you wouldn't bring them to a dead place. You see, I don't care if you get offended at me because offense is held within you, not within me. I can't offend you. You have to choose to be offended. Offense is in your choosing of being offended. You don't have to choose it. But that's uh, one of the third love languages of America, offense. I'm going to see how quick I can get offended at someone and blame them for my problems because if I never recognize that I'm the one that's truly struggling, I never have to deal with self. See, but people will come into this building and they'll go, oh, well, that's, that's great. And they go on down the road, but they're not really excited. It's the same reason why when God began to touch you, no one really got excited. Because most people in America are only excited about what excites them. They forget the verse that Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself. When God begins to do something in a people or in a person, we should be more excited that He's doing it for them or in them than what we were when He did it for us. Because that's what we want people to love us like, right? We have leaders that want to push down spiritual sons and daughters and people that they're discipling, underlings, internship, people that are coming in to learn because their revelation isn't as great as theirs. Well, I hate to tell you that we're the house that gets excited when you get a revelation that I got 20 years ago. We get excited because you found it now. We have to celebrate people finding the greater things of God even if they seem less to us. See, and even that's the wrong mentality because if, if, if it's of God, it's already greater than you. It doesn't matter when He revealed it to you. It's still greater than you are even though He's revealed something that you deem greater. God doesn't look at it that way. What He reveals to you, a revelational truth to bring you into intimacy and love, is the greatest find that you'll ever be able to talk about. So when, when someone finds a, 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 what you consider a lesser revelation because you already learned it 20 years ago and you don't be excited with them, you don't celebrate them, you're not giving them permission to go after the greater things of God because nobody cares. 
But if we'll just create a house and a culture to where we celebrate people finding the greater things of God, somebody comes in and says, man, I'm, 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 and I hear this all the time and I watch people as it happens. Man, I'm, I'm 21 days sober. Oh, that's awesome. That is exciting. Because 15 days ago, they, wouldn't, they didn't think they would make it here. But God helped them get there. If you won't celebrate the person, maybe just celebrate God in the person. You think they're going to fail, that's fine, but God won't fail in them. And if you'll just believe for a minute with them, we would have less people that are falling out of sobriety. We have such a sinful world because nobody celebrates them being sinless. We celebrate their sin. You walk down Broad Street, both sides, you'll find more businesses that cater to sin than those that cater to sinlessness. Why? Because America celebrates sin. They expect America to change, but they're worshiping the idol of sin. They're creating new platforms and new... Paul said, you dream up new ways to sin. I remember... I remember 15 years ago, I I didn't even know what a transgender person was. Now you can't walk down a main street in any city without seeing a poster about them. We're making posters to have events to celebrate homosexuality and transgenderness. And then we're beating down the people that say that it's not right because the Bible says so. More people need to speak up. That's not even what we'll talk about. That's just me getting going. I was during during prayer and worship, I I had this vision in this house. We have visions. Again, I'm telling you some things so that you can figure out if you're supposed to be here or not. We pray in tongues. We believe um, that the Bible still will raise the dead, that he will still heal the sick, that he'll still cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. I, I, I've laid hands on over a thousand people and seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've pulled people out of wheelchairs. We've seen the dead raised. We, we've seen cancer flee. We, we've seen the gospel in action. And it had nothing to do with me except I believed what he said. I just decided that I was not going to let some church down the road that had no power in their gospel tell me wasn't what wasn't working today. Well, it don't work in your church, but it does work in my life. So I'm going to go with what works for me, not what you say don't work for you because you decided not to believe in it. I remember I started praying when, when COVID hit in January, two years ago. I started praying, Lord, please defund the powerless churches. Kill them. Not the people, the churches. If they're not walking in power, get rid of them. What, what's the purpose? Well, well, they're preaching the gospel. No, they're not. They're preaching an adulterated version of the gospel and trying to make you believe that it's still okay. If it doesn't have power, it can't be him because he's full of power. power. We're going to be in Matthew 19. I got to get there. I'm not, I'm not mad. You need to understand that. I'm really not. I, I, I'm not mad at the American church. I, I don't have an agenda to watch churches close down. 
I'm just partnering with God's agenda to watch churches close down. I'm just partnering with his belief system that the gospel still works and those that aren't preaching it are hirelings. They don't care about you. They don't care about the sheep. The moment the wolf comes, they run and flee. You go ahead. Find your demon-possessed person. Take them in a Baptist church, a Methodist church that don't have power. And watch how quick the pastor tries to get them put in an insane asylum. He don't want them in there. He don't know what to do with it. Now notice that I didn't say every Baptist church, every Methodist church. I said Baptist and Methodist churches that don't walk in power because there's some that are. There's some that do believe. We're not, we're not denominational hating. We don't, we don't hate denomination. We don't even hate those that don't flow in the power. We want to pray for them and watch them come and get filled with the Holy Ghost. So what are you, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing what you're saying and all this? I don't know. There you go. That's the greatest permission you're ever going to get right there. You don't have to know. He knows. You have to follow the Spirit. Jesus standing on top of the, the, the rooftop there with uh, Matthew 19, 23. We're going to go through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men... This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. What I am trying to do here in Rome, Georgia, I believe what God's wanting me to do here, we'll plant many more churches across Georgia, but Rome is specific. There's a specific thing God's trying to do. I believe that it's to raise up soldiers that don't care what the American world says about them, but they're more focused on what the Bible says. And then that will overflow and create a culture that will begin to help shift America back to people that won't bow to this worldly agenda. That sounds pretty big. It is. But he said above and beyond what you could ever think or imagine. So I'm just going to go big. And then I'm going to watch him do greater. We hear here in this is, is surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we hear this in, in my mind and, and probably most of yours immediately go to finance. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of possessions. He had a lot of stuff. Natural, natural stuff. He had a lot of natural stuff. That, that's probably true, but today I want to challenge you to maybe think that it was more about opinions. Those that are rich in their own opinions can't enter the kingdom of God. Those that are rich in their own agendas, those that are rich in their own ideas, those that are rich in doubt 
Those that are rich in incorrect faith, what's incorrect faith? It's faith towards things that are not of God. You can believe in the enemy and he becomes more real in your life. That's called faith. You can have faith in witches and ghouls and monsters and all of these things and they become more real in your life because you place faith towards those things. That's incorrect faith. When you have incorrect faith, you can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't get there. I just think that God is calling about a people that will stop watching television completely. That will stop playing video games. That will stop being social media zombies. That will stop trying to shove their kids in a corner so they can go and do what they need to do for God but instead make what God is doing in their kids more important than any other thing. I believe that God wants a people that... I believe that God's trying to raise back up a Levitical priesthood in a modern society. Uh, Those that will worship God with all that they are and will help the priest. They will help facilitate. They will serve the priest day and night. They're willing to do whatever it takes to see the move of God move forward and the move of the enemy be destroyed. You know, what we associate with a move of God sometimes is a move of the enemy. The enemy has infiltrated the the church more now than ever before. And there's more and more of these churches popping up every single day. And it's not about a heavenly agenda. It's not about getting souls saved. It's, it's, not about the, it's not about your grandmama being able to come to a place when she's about to die and a man of God will lay hands on her, a woman of God will lay hands on her. The elders will anoint her with oil and her get healed so you can have a few more years with grandmama and then she dies of old age or God removes her. It's more about getting grandmama in there dead and dying so when she dies, maybe she'll leave an inheritance check to the church. It's a business. They want to put these, all these agendas in front of you, things that they're trying to do. This is the rich that it will be hard for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be hard. So Jesus... Here's his disciples. They, they start to lose it, right? Well, if the wealthy can't get, they can get in anywhere they want. If they can't get into heaven, how, how are we going to get it? Who can go? Who can be saved? I love studying scripture where I hear Jesus talking about something. And then all of a sudden, the people around him think that he's talking about a specific thing, and he probably wasn't, but he decided to use what they thought he was talking about anyways. They go, fine, I'll teach you from that perspective so you can better understand a greater and deeper teaching that I'm trying to get you to understand. So they start to lose their mind because they think he's talking about finance, someone with a lot of things. They say, right here, First off, you got to get that they were greatly astonished. Taken back. They couldn't believe what he just said. Oh my gosh. Right? Who then can be saved? 
He said, well, I wasn't really talking about salvation, but since that's where you're trying to go, let's talk about salvation. Because Jesus says, the kingdom of God. If you think the kingdom of God is heaven, then you've already missed most of it. The kingdom of God is all the universes and everything that's ever been created. That's the kingdom of God. It's not just heaven. Heaven's a small part of that. We, we get so heaven-focused that we forget Jesus. Let me say it again. You get so heaven-focused that you forget Jesus. You've made heaven the destination when Jesus all along was the destination. It's Him. It's relationship with Him. It's intimacy with Him. It's knowing Him. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Why, why, why are we trying to get to a place that's going to cease to exist and they're going to make a new one? Heaven is wherever Jesus is. Wherever Jesus is, that's heaven. Heaven went bankrupt one time. They let him go one time and said never again. Things went crazy when you left. All we did was stood on the edge of the cloud and watched you. Like we got nothing, the dishes are dirty, we didn't get no floors swept, nobody ate. Like we just watched you. And when they were beating you, we were weeping while others were rejoicing. When they killed you, we had to look away because we couldn't stand the sight. While others loved it. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus. Because everything that was made was made through Him. Everything that is the kingdom of heaven was created or made, and everything that was created or made was made through Jesus. Through Jesus. Through. In the beginning, when God said, let there be light, when He spoke, that was Jesus. Jesus is the spoken Word of God. Without the spoken Word of God, there is no creation. Jesus is creation. Trying to teach y'all. Well, I already knew that. Well, there we go. You're just not excited about things you already knew. <laughs> See? Point proven. The kingdom of God is the sovereignty of God over all the universes. Everything that's ever been created, everything that's ever been made, that's the kingdom of God. So what, what is he saying? He's saying you'll never be able to step into true, tr true revelational intimacy and love if you've got all these things weighing you down. Some of you all came in this morning with things weighing you down. Thoughts. Some of you are weighed down with thoughts of what you're going to eat for lunch right now that you can't listen to what God's trying to teach you in a service. You're thinking about the next thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last week's sermon. He is. Goats are focused on the next thing. Sheep are focused on where they're at. Where they're at is enough. I need to get everything I can in this moment so I can't afford to be distracted by the next moment or a moment that's already passed. 
Most of y'all spend most of your life in this delusional world of problems and anxieties over things that haven't even come to pass yet, and you're just imagining all these horrible things that are going to happen, and you wonder why you live a destructive lifestyle. You wonder why when you walk into a room that chaos follows you. You wonder why your kids freak out all the time. It's because you've got chaos on you, and it's getting on them. We just need to live in the kingdom of God to where worry and doubt and anxiety and depression doesn't have a foothold. It can't even enter in. Twenty six, but Jesus. That's right. Say, but Jesus. But Jesus. See, this is what we need. We need Jesus to look at us. Go ahead and say it. Jesus, look at me. Jesus, look at me. I need you to look at me. I'm lost. These thoughts, I can't control them. They keep coming. I need you to look at me. Thank you. But Jesus looked at them. And then he said to them, say, Jesus... I need you to speak to me. Because when you speak, everything else goes silent. Please, never stop talking to me. I like silence. And I like peace. There you go. Read your word this way and it will change your life. I promise you. Well, I did it. I did it for one week. Well... That's not what I said. I said, read your word like this. That means forever. Come to church and step into community that is really flowing in power and it will change your life. Forever. You have to keep coming. Well, we're going on a vacation. We're going to miss church. Well, don't come back and complain to me when your life starts falling apart because you spent a week at Disney World where all they're worried about is the world. Stop piling things on top of yourself that won't allow you to enter into the kingdom. The kingdom is not at the end of our life. It's where we need to be now. You don't need to enter into the kingdom at the end of your life. You need it now so that you can have a good life. Your life is being destroyed because you're in the kingdom of the world. And you want to come into a church and expect us to fix you. Which we can, in a moment, we can lay hands on you and things will fall off. But as soon as you're on the way out, you pick it back up like it's luggage and it's your best friend and you need to take it with you. See, y'all got too many pets at home. Your sickness and your disease and your anxieties and your television shows and your soap operas and all this stuff that y'all just, y'all keep, you just keep it and you keep feeding it. Well, I don't want it to starve. I need to keep it alive. No, let it die. Let it die. I'm trying, Jesus. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. What's he talking about? He's talking about salvation for them. But he's saying salvation, it to be saved means to be removed from the world. You don't have to wait for heaven to come for you to be saved. 
Saved means He saved you out of the world. You get out of it. In the world, but not of it. I got this. I'm about, I'm, I'm really close, promise. Y'all can go eat some chicken legs. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So, why, why don't churches see the blind get their sight back? Why don't churches see deaf ears open? Why don't churches see people come out of wheelchairs? Because they're not with God. That's pretty clear. He said, with men, if you surround yourself with men doing manly things, worldly things, it's impossible for the kingdom of heaven to step into your world and for you to step into it. Therefore, you won't see the things of the kingdom come to pass in your life and around you. But if you are with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. All of it. 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 Men cannot keep their eyes or hands off the riches of this world. You can't do it. You have a problem with it. Jesus in 24, He says, Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I remember when I read this long ago, I read that, I was like, man, a needle... Of course you can't shove a camel through a needle eye. A camel's huge. A needle eye. I can't even get the thread through a needle eye. Like I got to take it somewhere else. Can you put that through there? I can't figure it. Come on now. I know y'all are all avid sewers and got it figured out. Well, I don't. And so I read that long ago and I was like, man, why would he even talk? Like, why do you even say that? Because he wasn't talking about the eye of a needle. Hello? You understand that studying the Word of God to figure out what, the, what He's actually talking about is very important for you? Not just assuming that you know. In, in the city there in Jerusalem, they have very large gates around the walls. Okay? you got to get this. This, this. this is your aha moment. This is your freedom moment if you'll grab a hold of it. He said, it is easier, not impossible, well, a camel cannot fit through the eye of a needle if you're talking about a needle. That's impossible. Can't happen. Well, he didn't say that. He said it's easier. Okay, so what's he talking about? The city of Jerusalem is surrounded by a wall during this time period. They had very large gates, very big ones, that all the stuff would come through. And then they had very, very small gates for people to walk through. You know what they were called? The eye of the needle. The eye of a needle. Because they were so tiny compared to the bigger ones. A camel could go through it, but listen, this is how the camel would get through it. He's trying to teach them something. Just like in this room today, he's trying to teach you something. You know how the camel had to be to get through it? Unload it, and on its knees. Unload it, and on its knees. Not somewhat unloaded. Completely unloaded. It couldn't have a saddle on it. 
It couldn't be carrying any luggage. It couldn't be carrying any things. It couldn't be carrying any thoughts or opinions because the camel would have been afraid of that small spot because it would have known it couldn't fit through there. So it would have scared it. So you start to have all these opinions and doubts and anxieties. And you wonder why you can't get in. It's because you're afraid of letting go of the things that are actually keeping you bound. But if you'll just yield, unload all the junk off of your life, and get on your knees, you'll be able to enter in. You'll be able to enter in if you'll just allow Him to have all the junk that you've been carrying. You'll just surrender, and every time anxiety, depression, doubt, opinions come, you don't have to combat them, you just go... That's not what the Word of God says. We spend too much time battling the things of the world that we can't battle for the things of heaven. You spend, you've been taught that you take the Word and, and you, just, you just hammer the Word down the devil's throat. He knows it better than you do. Well, that's what Jesus did in the wilderness. No, He really didn't. The enemy said, this is what the Word says. And Jesus said, it also says this. He wasn't combating the enemy. He was waiting for the angels to come and take care of him. He knew they were coming. He said, you come to tempt me, but I'm not tempted by you. He said, I know who I am. Look at me. I'm unloaded and on my knees. I don't have any things of this world for you to grab. The only people that you can grab a hold of and use this crap on Satan are those that are carrying the things that you have control over. But us that are unloaded and on our knees, you can't get your hooks in us because there's nothing to grab a hold of. We're in the kingdom waiting for the angels to come. In a minute, they're going to show up and they're going to take care of me. You know what you are until they come? Entertainment. You're just here to help me pass the time. And every time you touch me in an area, I'm going to come to the feet of Jesus. That's your answer. Doubt comes, Jesus, I thank you so much that you're a provider. I thank you that everything that I've ever needed, you already promised it in your word. I thank you that I'm a son or I'm a daughter, Lord, and I know that, that you have saved me and redeemed me from this wicked way of life. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you send that old ugly tempter to come and try to tempt me, Lord, that just reminds me of how great that you are. And that I just need to thank you again, Lord, that you were, that you were so sovereignly divine that you didn't destroy him, but you let him stay so that he could keep coming against us so that we would know when we needed to get on our knees. You ever realize that everything the enemy comes and throws at you is stuff that you haven't unloaded off of your life? You should be thankful. You should be thankful. You should be thankful that God left something in creation that comes and goes, hey, you know you got something in your hair? Well, great, thank you. Now I can get it out. Now I don't have to walk around with something in my hair. He didn't have something in his hair. Y'all can stop looking trying to find it. The enemy's job never changed. Just his location from which he had to do it did. He did it from heaven. He did it in Jerusalem. Now he can only do it from earth and hell. His only job is to push you into worship of God. That's it. He's to guide you in. How does He do that? By revealing the things on your life that need to be getting rid of. 
If the, if, if the enemy keeps bringing up doubt in my life, you know what I know I struggle with? Doubt. I struggle with doubt. If the enemy keeps pushing on anxiety in my life, you know what I struggle with? Anxiety. I need to figure out why, what, start removing some things from my life that are making me anxious. Stop worrying about some things that are making me anxious. Just start getting unloaded and get to my feet or get to my knees as much as I can so I can enter in. Just allow Him to continue to come and reveal the things that need to be stripped away. I mean, we, we pay big money for people to come in this building and go through it and tell us what's wrong with it. Satan has to do it for free. He used to walk into your building every single day and go, hey, that's wrong. You need to fix that. You need to fix that. You'll never be good enough. No one likes you. Your, hair's look, your hair looks crazy. No one likes your clothes. You got something in your nose. You don't have enough money. You'll never amount to anything. What's he doing? He's revealing to you that you have an identity problem. You're not safe and secure in who God made you to be. All he's doing is revealing to you that you have an identity issue. So then what do you do? You don't combat him. You just come to your knees and you just say, Jesus, I thank you so much that you have a plan and purpose for my life. I thank you that through revelational love that you're revealing to me even now who that I am and what you have to say about me. I thank you, Lord, that you're freeing me from the opinions of the world and I don't have to live on what they say about me because you have a greater word that's over me and that word is love. I thank you that you love me. I thank that you created me. I thank you that you have a purpose for me, Lord. I thank you that you're helping me better understand it. I thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit to help me better understand. I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to help me better understand who that I am. And I don't have to be tempted by the enemy anymore, Lord, because I know who that I am in you. And I am enough in you. I thank you for it. This is your... look. I'm not the greatest preacher on the earth, but you just got one of the greatest lessons that you'll ever receive. If you apply this day in and day out, your entire life will change. The enemy can't come and tell you that no one wants you, you're not accepted, that you were abandoned. It doesn't matter what happened in the past, it matters where I'm at now. And God said He would never forsake me and never leave me, so therefore I've never been abandoned but, but, but by those that live by the world. Well, you don't understand, my mom and my dad, they left me. Well, praise God. If they were supposed to remain, they would have remained with you. He said, we know that they weren't supposed to be with us because they left us. Well, you understand, blood is, blood is deep, and it's not deeper than the Word of God. And sometimes, not everyone in this room was planned by God. You need to understand that. God did not go, all right, she's 15. I'm going to send this guy to rape her. And then she's going to get pregnant and she's going to have a baby. That wasn't God's plan. But the moment that the baby was made, God said, wonderfully and fearfully made. He said, in my image now. I didn't plan the way it happened. I didn't even plan them coming. But now that they're here, they're mine. So then the, the, the 15 or 16 year old has the baby but gets hooked on heroin and starts beating the baby and the mama's removed. See, we too often think of this, the baby was removed. No, the mama was removed. The baby wasn't removed from the family. The mama was removed from the family. The baby's still in Christ. The mama's been removed so the baby might make it. 
And then we go all bend up. My mom, my mom abandoned me. She did. No, she didn't. God removed her. So you had a better chance. We need to stop getting so caught up on blood relatives that maybe were never supposed to be in our life because they were horrible people. They chose to live for the world and we did not have the ability to speak in their life because we had no power or authority to bring them out of it. And then we, the enemy wants to use that to get you to beat up yourself your entire life so you have an identity problem, not knowing who you are, never being able to receive love, never being able to be accepted. You're only rejected, not wanted. But the reality is, Jesus said you was enough. Amen. He didn't care that they left you. He didn't care that they were What He cares was that He was trying to get you to be. Women, you struggle with relationships because of the way your father treated you. But how about we start stepping into better relationships because we have a better representation of what a father is supposed to look like and His name is God. That you can find Him in the Word and He becomes more real than your, your regular father ever was and He treats you the way that He's supposed to treat you and He'll never leave you. Identity's yours and it's in here. He's already defined who that you are. He's already given you permission to be awesome and amazing and do the things of the Word and watch it manifest out of you as righteousness and holiness. And then instead of, instead of taking what happened to her and putting in her children, it doesn't, we can break that. Yes. We can break that lie of the enemy that my daddy didn't want me, my daddy didn't accept me, my daddy didn't receive me, my, my daddy left me, my mama was on drugs, my mama did You don't have to put that in your children. But if you don't separate yourself from it, they will get it. They'll have problems, and then what, what happens is, this is, this is where, where my, my job becomes very hard, Seth's job becomes very hard, guys that are in the church, it becomes very hard for us because we go in and we start talking to these children, and we find out that their mom and their dad both stayed, neither one was on drugs, they both worked good jobs, but the daughter's so messed up because of something that the grandfather did to the mother. He wasn't there for her. He, he put the son above the daughter and didn't give her enough attention. We have to figure out these problems because you didn't cut it off at the root. At some point, you have to decide that my past will not dis define my children's future. They can't walk through what I walked through just because I was the one that had to walk through it. You get free and they'll get free. It's the same thing that I'm talking about in this church. You could come in here and decide that this is going to be like every other church you've ever been to. Or you could come in here and decide, I'm just going to be a Levite and I'm going to go crazy for Christ. I'm going to worship Him. I've seen people when, when Seth was talking about running up and down, people were like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. Well, then stay like you are. If you don't change the way you worship God, why would you expect Him to change Himself in you? You can't be different in Christ if you don't go after Christ a different way. You have to decide that He's enough, that you're going to get off your butt, and you're going to dance, even if you can't dance, that you're going to dance for Christ. I've seen people, I've seen people get healed running around a church. I've seen blind eyes open by people dancing. I, I've seen cancer leave people's bodies when they begin to shout and praise. I've seen it. 
Nobody laid hands on them. Wasn't no special anointing oil. No angel came in and tapped them on the head. They just decided they were going to worship God with all that they were. In the right perfect moment, God healed them. God set them free. Everybody stand up. Got to get y'all to some chicken legs. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come up. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come up. Now's the time for you. Now's the time for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now's the time. Now's the time. If you need prayer for anything, sickness, disease, doubt, worry, anxiety, depression, identity problems, you don't know who you are in Christ, I want you to come up. We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to ask Jesus to touch you. And then we're going to do something that most churches won't. I'm going to put you in contact with someone that will talk to you today. Not about your problems. But it'll start relationship with you. They'll start communication with you. They'll meet with you. They'll become a friend to you. They'll help disciple you into the greater things of Christ. If that's you, come forward. I thank you, Jesus, that by no one coming forward that we understand that every need is met here today. That nobody needs anything. That nobody's broken in any way. That nobody needs any type of healing. Nobody needs to give their life back to you, Lord. We thank you that we have the ability to open up the altars for people to come and say that there's something wrong, Lord. But we thank you that we're in a house today where no one has anything wrong. We thank you for mercy and longevity, Lord, as they, they step into the, this, great, this great astonishment, Lord, that, that, that they have everything figured out and they're able to push this into other people. They're able to deposit this into others, Lord. That they're able to create a culture of identity, Lord, where there is no depression and no, no anxiety and no doubt. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word that it is true and that it does not return void. We thank you for love. We thank you for love. In Jesus' name.